Welcome to the DaVinci Hour podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Maxwell Cooper, and in this podcast series, I interview physicians, medical innovators, and entrepreneurs making an impact on healthcare. This podcast is produced by DaVinci Academy, a multimedia medical education company that provides podcasts, video courses, and digital textbooks. You can see more on our website, www.dbiacademy.com and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash DaVinci Academy Med. This podcast is sponsored by Doc2Doc, the personal lending platform designed for doctors by doctors. Do you have some big expenses in the near future? Maybe you're moving, applying to residency or fellowship, fixing up your car or home, or starting a new practice. Doc2Doc believes that traditional lenders overestimate the risk of lending money to doctors, residents, and medical students, focusing too much on the challenges of their financial past and giving them insufficient credit for the promise of their financial future. Check out Dr. Doc's personal loan options at drdoclending.com slash DaVinci. Hey everybody, welcome back to the DaVinci Hour podcast. I'm honored this week to be joined by Dr. Tamir Wolf from uh, Theater, a new surgical education and AI platform out in Palo Alto, California. So Dr. Wolf, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So maybe give us a little bit of background on you. You have a, a fascinating background. You know, you were obviously trained as a physician and were in the Israeli Navy for a long time uh, before you uh, got into the world of med tech, entrepreneurship and innovation. So maybe give us a little bit of background on yourself and how you came to where you are today. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it briefly. Um, I was born and raised in, uh, in Israel, um, did my MD, PhD there, um, did, did it as an ROTC. Um, and subsequently serve in the equivalent of SEAL Team 6 um, in Israel um, for, for quite some time after seven, eight years, decided I wanted to do something different, a little less intense. Um, I didn't realize that entrepreneurship is as intense, uh, maybe not life-threatening, but as intense. Um, <clears throat> and so um, after my uh, military, my naval experience, went through business school and then through the motions, but ultimately find, found myself in the health tech um, area, which is fascinating. That's awesome. Yeah. So were you like a, essentially like, like a battlefield surgeon in a way is like, is that, is, was that kind of your, your role in that, in that uh, time period of your life? Yeah. Most of what I did was trauma surgery, oh, uh, wow. usually under fire. Wow. That's the, yeah, that's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. So you're, I guess clinically you're traditionally trained as a surgeon, which is very fitting for what you're doing now. I'm curious what give us maybe an overview of what what theater is like what's the clinical need you guys are trying to to solve and I guess maybe what was the inspiration for starting it as well Sure so you know you mentioned education I think it's like it's way more than education um I think I always like to start with the unmet need um and I think you know today in the world of surgery there's tremendous variability and disparity in the field um ultimately where you live determines if you live um uh, around the world and even in the US um, so, you know, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect, I think that there really is very limited understanding as to why there is variability and disparity. Ultimately, um, I think, you know, in the OR, you know, it's like Vegas, what happens in the OR stays in the OR. And so we have like really good understanding of outcomes, but we don't really understand what leads to them. And so theater really tackles this problem um, through what we call our surgical intelligence platform. And the idea is to leverage next-gen AI um, and computer vision technology to analyze intraoperative uh, um, 
what happens intraoperatively by leveraging the existing hardware stack. So all, a lot of the procedures performed today are either, either straight stick or robotic, but are done minimally invasively. So the idea is to routinely capture that and analyze it and to identify in an unbiased way insights that are ultimately actionable that can help us actively improve um, the way that we do things in the OR, um, enhance quality of care, enhance patient safety, um, and ultimately also, I think, provide hospital systems with insights that they really need in order to consistently drive uh, quality uh, quality improvement and and care of patients. That's really interesting. You know, yeah, I was wa- I was watching one of your guys' informational videos, and you know, you're talking about all this laparoscopic surgery, you know, video content that gets essentially discarded in in many places and is not used or analyzed or anything. I think I think that's amazing. You know, because in IR we we kind of take a highlight. I think we take like a highlight reel of the you know the main you know, action points during the procedure or the critical steps. But it's interesting in surgery that that's, you know, obviously, you you, you know, surgeons dictate what they did and, and everything like that. But to have like that visual feedback and understanding of what one, I think that's really fascinating, really innovative to to use that technology. And then from what I understand, you're, you're also kind of analyzing that to find like the critical steps, the critical decision points. Is that is that right? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the, a, a lot of, like the way I like to think about data in general and in, in the world of healthcare, like I call this drip, data rich, insight poor. Um, so we're gathering a lot of data points, but like how meaningful are they? And, you know, f- for example, um, you know, one of the reasons I think we don't have really good understanding of what happens in the operating room is, you know, because of the fact that the only thing after surgery is the operative report, which is narrated and obviously has shortcomings. Um, whereas video um, is really what's called the ground truth. You know, you you see exactly what happened. It's and it's already like it's already being you know the entire pr- procedure is performed under visual guidance. So you already have that. Um, but the mind-boggling thing is that that's like you know left on the OR floor pretty much after every case. Um, I think there's growing understanding in the field, whether it's surgeons, cent- medical centers, um, you know, innovative professional societies across the board and specialties that video will really become. Uh, a key core component of, you know, quite a few initiatives, whether it's, you know, GME, like education training, or, you know, I think very importantly, quality initiatives, safe patient safety, et cetera. Um, I think even certification and credentialing. Um, so, you know, I think that will happen and, you know, we're the company that is going to drive that. That's awesome. So with, I guess, aiding surgeons through the the process, obviously I, I see the, the obvious utility for, you know, residents and training, you know, maybe they didn't get enough exposure to certain cases or they want to prep for their cases. But I from what I understand you're also developing this for, you know, the practicing surgeon, you know, that's out in the world trying to, you know, either learn new procedures or improve on what they're doing. And is is that kind of the the end, maybe the end user in mind at this point? I think the end user, so you know, the, there are different stages along the totem pole. And and I think we can all use, you know, decision support, you know, to to some extent. I think like the the key, the key paradigm that we're trying to like shift away, shift away or shift to um, is changing the way that like intraoperative video um, is is considered or regarded. So you can think about it in the traditional way of, yeah, let's take a look at a video, fast forward, rewind, take a look at what we did. Most surgeons, um, you know, for the most part, don't really have time to do this routinely. Um, and so that's one thing. So we want to enable that. But the other thing is, think about it, like with video is such a huge um, treasure trove of data that today is untapped. And what we're doing is leveraging technology in order to do what's called structuring of a video. Once you structure video and we're, we're identifying key components of the procedure, key events, key milestones, 
um, key, you know, uh, um, key layers within a procedure, ultimately situation awareness, decision-making. So a lot of like different components of a procedure. And once you start um, identifying these, you can correlate them with patient characteristics and ultimately outcomes. You can understand like what leads to better outcomes. Um, and then you start driving, like, I think, you know, the real shift in the way that things are being done. Um, but today, if you have like, um, you know, hours and hours of surgery, even if hospitals do, you know, routinely capture them, which I highly doubt, um, what do you do with them afterwards? Um, surgeons, you know, don't have time to review. They don't have time to, you know, identify and annotate. And actually, you know, it's it's not even in, in the nature of surgeons to do it. Um, as opposed to other specialties within healthcare, for example, radiologists or pathologists that, you know, spend, you know, their entire learning curve on identifying a variety of like different things. And so what we're doing here is really enabling surgeons to leverage data that is structured in ways that, you know, haven't been uh, available to them before. And not only surgeons, but like the surgeons are our end users, but it's surgeons, it's clinical leadership, it's administration, it's a wide range of, uh, uh, of stakeholders with aligned incentives within a hospital system. That's amazing. And and so I guess that the end goal is also to not only help before or after, but like during, I think during the procedure, right? That would, that would probably be, you know, groundbreaking being able to say like, you know, hey, this is what the data is for making this decision. Because I, I mean, I'm quickly learning even early in my training that, you know, a lot of it's yes, the, you know, the hand motions and knowing what to do, but it's more the decision making, like, what do I do when I hit this kind of step or this, this challenge? Exactly. I think the key is the, the key, like, you know, if you if you speak to surgeons who've been operating for decades, um, they'll they'll quickly tell you that, you know, the dexterity aspect is something that they've always had. But they think that the thing that they really, you know, added along their their journey is, you know, the are those capabilities around situation awareness and understanding and then decision making. And I think that's what those those components are really what differentiate between, you know, a good surgeon, an average surgeon, and like, you know, the top, uh, top surgeons. Um, and the idea is that like today, unless, you know, in your subjective training, you know, there's someone at the top that accompanies you, you know, these are these are sets of experience that you're not exposed to. And so what we're trying to do um, is really codify, um, you know, best practices, codify decision making so that we can ultimately and this really is the holy grail you mentioned, like um, be able to augment the human surgeon. And the sci-fi version is be the intelligence that really runs robotic platforms, but like that's a bit ahead. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Um, so I'm curious, like you know, how do you guys curate all this data and like put, are you using you know some AI or machine learning? Or are you having some surgeons manually review some of this? I guess how what's your like kind of behind the scenes if you know process of what you can disclose on that? Like how what are you, how are you guys able to yeah produce so. This? So I think like uh, I like I like to say uh, ML uh, can be three different things. So it could be manual labor. That's where everything starts. Um, it could be machine learning, which is where the technology is. And it could also be magical eyes. So we're not doing the magical eyes part. Uh, there's a lot of like human work that goes into this. And like um, a lot of our core, core initial core capabilities and scalability is due to um, the way that we structured our operational um, aspect. But really, I think the the key differentiator, um, which makes us really unique in the world, is our 
you know, we have extremely talented individuals that have built like an amazing and very scalable um, algorithmic capability that can automatically identify, you know, key moments, steps, you know, everything that like that I mentioned earlier on um, in, in a way that is truly scalable. So today we're like we're deep diving into a variety of specialties, mainly around soft tissue, including general surgery, bariatric, colorectal, urology, gynecology, thoracic, et cetera, et cetera. Hundreds of procedures and every procedure that we add to our to our like data repository really helps inform us on every other procedure. So it's like, you know, a lab coli doesn't help us only improve our accuracy in lab colis, but it also aids us in hysterectomies and in prostatectomies, et cetera. And that really is like a unique capability that our, our team has uh, developed. That's incredible. I guess shifting a little bit to the, the entrepreneurial aspect of your, your journey, like of building a business like this, I guess one, you know, you have so many different uh, players involved. You know, I, I would think the team for building something like this would be so critical as it is with many entrepreneurial ventures. I guess what, what's been your process for, you know, building such a, really a diverse team? I imagine you have clinicians, you have obviously, you know, business minded people, and then I imagine, you know, software developers and engineers, I guess, what's been your process for building such a diverse and effective team? Um, so it's a really good question. And like, and ultimately I think you can have amazing ideas and like great technology, but if you don't have the right team, then like, you know, it, it's not going to work. And so I'd say like the, the, the single most important thing that I think I did like extremely well was find a co-founder very, you know, very early on building a company is extremely difficult um, and lonely at, at the helm. It's very lonely before you build a team. And once you build a team, you know, you still have all that responsibility. So I think, um, you know, I, I have an amazing co-founder. Um, his name is Dotan. Um, he's a computer vision whiz with a ton of experience. Um, we talked before about like the Israeli military. So he comes from intelligence um, where he led computer vision and like he's an he's an all around like amazing individual, um, great technical acumen, but also like really sharp, you know, from building a team perspective and a business. Um, and together with him, we've we've I think you know we've built you know a stellar team. I think a lot of it is the way we view leadership. So we you know and 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 culture is very important to us. And so the way that we. The way that we look about we we look at like our culture at theater, um, I think that's what enabled like us building like a really uh, amazing team uh, around us. Um, so the approach is like this approach that you can like in general uh, call like no rules rules. You basically um, bring individuals that are super talented that have common sense. Um, and that you can trust to do what's in the best interest of the company. Um, and then, you know, there's just freedom and responsibility and you let them run. Um, and there are no, you know, minimum policies, minimum procedures. Um, you just let them run um, as quick as they can. You know, sometimes they make mistakes and, you know, we all uh, learn together and like move on. But it's like, I think, you know, bringing on board individuals that, you know, are just like extremely driven um, and that you can trust. Once you have that, then, you know, everything else is easy. Sure. Sure. No, that makes sense. And I, I noticed on your website, you have, you have kind of a set core values. And I, I imagine like when you're, when you're bringing people on, you, 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 you know, hope that they buy into that. And I, I imagine that, like you said, that helps people to just kind of run with it. 
I think so. And, uh, and, and, you know, and honestly, like these, like the, you know, the, the values are values that like the pen and I didn't come up with these alone. It, like we spent the first six months, you know, bringing on board like folks. Um, and then together we did this and, you know, these values are, you know, be human first, getting shit done, like, you know, your voice counts, um, shared understanding. And I think once, you know, once you have talented folks and you give everyone like context to make decisions and move quickly, I think that in and of itself is something that brings brings on board like additional talent and like the best and brightest. And so I think that like, honestly, I think that has been one of our, the key reasons for our success up until now. That's amazing. I'm curious from your perspective as a, you know, you were trained Traditionally, as a physician, you know, you've spent time in the obviously in the Israeli Navy. What I guess, you know, many people comment, oh, physicians don't always make the best business people and all that. I guess, what's your response to that? I guess, and then also, where have you picked up kind of some of your business training? You know, because at least in the US, we don't we don't get much of that training, at least in med school or or in residency. Maybe it was different for you, but just curious about that. No, and and honestly, I didn't even learn about variability and disparity in surgery when I was like in in medicine. There are a lot of things that you don't see when you're like in the system. So, you know, like I think I had like a good opportunity to also like step out for a little bit and like you know been given like you know I I think a blessing of like a different vantage point um, outside like you know the the daily grind of a physician, resident, fellow, etc. Um, and I think that's that's something that I'm very grateful for. You know, I, I think even to if talking to, you know, my friends who are leaders, like CEOs of hospitals, heads of departments, et cetera, like I see a trend today in which, you know, even in med school, you know, folks are getting, you know, at least glimpses of the entrepreneurial world. And I think that just like we were able you know, in the traditional or like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago um, to have this conversation around like, how do we combine clinical practice and research? I think today it's like, you know, it's 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 expanded a bit to like, how do we combine between like the routine clinical practice research and then, you know, entrepreneurship or, you know, working alongside a company to bring and develop a, a device, pharma, bio, you know, software um, into play. Um, and I think that's really important because as a, as a company, like we can bring technology, et cetera, um, which is really, you know, the things that we excel, but, you know, we, we are very dependent on the cross-pollination um, with, you know, the clinicians that we work with. Um, ultimately, we serve them. Um, and so the, the bottom line, so the clinicians and leadership and also like administration, but like, you know, we're, we're here to serve them to improve the way that uh, ultimately uh, patients are provided care. And so this cross-pollination is extremely, extremely important. And I think that, um, you know, more and more individuals that, you know, are early on in their uh, professional careers as physicians already realize that um, and, you know, and are striving to make some kind of like connection, headway or interaction with, let's call it like industry. Sure, sure. So I'm I'm curious, you who are the I guess from the business model standpoint, I guess who who is purchasing your platform, and I guess how does that is it you know health systems, is it individuals, is it maybe a combination of the both? I guess essentially, in short, how do you guys you know make money? <laughs> so it's it's interaction with the health systems, and we basically 
work together with the hospital to basically cover you know all their operating rooms where uh, MIS is being done. And then we just capture and start analyzing everything that is being done. We provide immediate value to the surgeon stakeholders, but we also provide um, you know much more sophisticated insight into what's going on in the OR to clinical leadership and to administration. And you know, so yeah, in in a nutshell. No, that's really interesting. I'm curious, you know, as you know very well, health systems can be skeptical to new technology or adopting or slow to adopt new technology and evolve. I guess what has been your kind of pitch to them or or way to counter some of their skepticism to to adopt your new technology? Yeah, so I think there's uh, there's really a difference between those who like talk to talk um, and those who actually you know want to be- deliver better care. Um, if we continue, like the the biggest challenge to us has been status quo. There are a few players in the field, but no one comes close to our capabilities, and it really is all about like the you know changing the status quo. Because as a patient, you know you go in and you have a CT. You know, you have access to that CT, but like you spend eight hours under the knife unconscious and, you know, most of the time you don't have anything that really um, documents what happened. So I think there's like a fundamental shift that has to happen. And, you know, and, and again, like, you know, we can't keep on doing things in the same way that we have been doing them for decades and expect a different result. So we want to improve the way that care is being provided. We want to improve quality of care. We can't rely on... Um, incomplete and sometimes inaccurate data and information. We need to do something different. And so, you know, there are thousands of hospitals across the country. We're working with the most innovative uh, ones um, to start, you know, creating a momentum. And, you know, once that happens, you know, once once hospitals uh, see us working with the Mayo Clinics, et, et cetera, like, you know, then, you know, they start coming on board. Nothing's immediate. Um, and there really is like a cultural shift that has to happen here. But, you know, if we bring on board, you know, the these innovative hospitals and we set the tone, everyone else will follow suit. Um, and this is a part of the challenge of doing something completely new um, and radically changing the way that surgery is taught and performed. That's amazing. I'm I'm curious that the name theater does that does that stem from the origin of you know like over a hundred years ago the the surgical theater you know and I think it's it's amazing you know how antiquated in some ways just medical education in general is that it's you know it's evolved somewhat but I guess kind of a two part question uh, you know the name and then you know this adding to that yeah I mean nothing's really between us and everyone that's listening nothing's <laughs> really changed in hundreds of years. Um, so we have like, uh, you know, a new energy device and we have like a new robotic, but like nothing fundamentally has has changed in the way that we're doing things. And so obviously, like I mentioned, that that really is the challenge. Uh, the name theater, I wanted something short. And uh, yes, it stems from, uh, you know, a combination of things. So the operating theater, obviously, you know, also the fact that we are like the a core component of everything that we're analyzing is video. So, you know movie theater, um, you know, that's, that's uh, a combination of these things and obviously the operating room, uh, or so. That's very cool. Very cool. So I guess what's, what's been some of the feedback you've gotten from, you know, surgeons using the, the, uh, the technology, how have they felt like it's, it's benefited them or helped their learning, uh, if you will. Some of the feedback that, that we've received is like, we started out at one center with, uh, with the study, um, wherein we provided res- some, like, you know, we did like randomized trial 
And we provided like 50% of the residents and fellows with the platform and the other 50 we didn't. And like the feedback that we got, that we got was that it's not ethical not to provide everyone with access to the platform to, to review what they're doing. Um, so that's some, some of the feedback that we've received. Um, from clinical leadership, um, the feedback has been that we are suddenly, you know, starting to measure what really matters. And, and I'll give you an example. You know, the, some, there's this gap or tension between administration and clinical leadership, where it, whereas administration, you know, wants surgeons to perform more and more and more and more, which means, you know, they want you to do procedures in minimum time. But that doesn't tell you the whole story because, you know, you want to do procedures quickly, but you want to do it high quality. Um, and also, like, not every procedure is the same as another. Um, and so some of the tools that we're starting to create, for example, automated complexity assessment based on the visual cues, first 10 seconds that the scope is in, allows us to start stratifying procedures uh, procedure length, for example, by complexity, which allows us now to take a look across the board and say, all right, you know, this is a procedure that's very complex and, you know, the surgeons are doing it in a very short period of time. How do we take what they're doing and start distributing that or disseminating that across the board to improve things within an enterprise system? Um, those are some of the tools that we're starting to create. Um, it's really early in the game, honestly, but um, but I think that that the ability to leverage technology to have like a much better understanding of like intraoperative parameters, performance, you know, proficiency, efficiency, et cetera, um, is extremely important and can not help not only like, you know, a surgeon, but again, like multiple stakeholders within the uh, the ecosystem that ultimately improves the way that we provide patient care. That's amazing. I'm curious, you know, obviously you've tested this out on uh, surgeons and, you know, in, in residency and that and training. I'm curious, do you see this eventually also being used as like almost like a testing platform, like for surgeons, for their boards or for their recertification? Is that something you guys have, have looked into? Yeah. So the the platform is obviously capable of doing all that. And like we're working today with residents, with fellows, with, you know, with full-fledged surgeons. The American Board of Surgery, for example, is already evaluating, you know, video as a way of doing, you know, you know, potentially doing some of the things that you you mentioned. So the short answer is definitely yes. I mean, I'm like I'm an entrepreneur, so I don't have much money. <clears throat> but I heard that when some folks go and, you know, and build a house or they want to talk to an architect, they take a look at the book. Um, of that architect who shows you, right, you know, like, you know, this is what I did, you know, when a surgeon like applies now to, to like a new position after fellowship, you know, everything is very subjective. You know, I envision a future where, you know, they open a portfolio, right? You know, this is how I perform. So I think like the, the routine capture of, of video as a tool, um, connecting the dot, analyzing it, and then connecting the dots to, you know, to outcomes, etc., um, allows us like a wide range of things. Uh, this being just one of them, but in a way that's a lot more objective than anything that we've ever done before. That's amazing. So so innovative. I'm curious. You know, uh, again, you know, building a company like this with this type of technology. What what has been your guys? experience with the fundraising aspect, I guess, like, where are you at in that, that sequence of events? And I guess, um, is that something you're, you're probably always actively working on? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're post a, it's, you know, raising is always a challenge, especially today, but we have some amazing investors. 
you know, that, that are helping us along the way, including, for example, Insight Partners and, you know, Mayo Clinic that have invested in us as well, um, because they really believe in what we're doing. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's always a challenge in today's environment. It's like even more so. Um, but I think, you know, the, the companies that stand out, you know, as being innovative, really changing, like mission driven that are really hell bent on changing the world and making like a positive dent. Um, and then obviously justify, it's not an academic like initiative, right? Then justify everything from a business perspective. You know, I think those are going to, those companies are going to endure. Sure. Sure. As we wrap up here, I, I want to ask you about kind of going off that. What's what's your kind of vision or milestone you want to hit like in the next six to 12 months? I mean, obviously things rapidly change, but I'm curious as the CEO, like where where are you hoping to hit in the next kind of six to 12 months period? All of this is around like, uh, you know, bringing on board like additional innovative hospital systems to be a part of like this revolution that we're that we're creating here. That's amazing. That's amazing. My my last question I ask everybody is when you're not working on theater, what do you do? What are your passions outside of work? How do you find that balance if there is one? <laughs> uh, when I'm not thinking about theater, I'm thinking about theater. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's more time consuming, I think, than residency or fellowship for, for those who can relate. But um, I have two amazing kids. I have uh, like a wife that likes to see me every once in a while. In a while, um, and I think like without like without the family support, um, you know, it's very difficult to uh, like jump into a journey like this. Um, so I'm blessed from from that perspective. But you know, honestly, um, there's not a moment that I do not think theater. No, that's you're dedicated to the to the game. That's that's admirable. Um, you know, and family support is always always important. I guess the last thing is where where can people and we'll link to this in the description. But where can people find out more about theater and and connect with you if if uh, if possible? Yeah, so theater t h e a t o r dot i o domain and you know my my email uh, is tamir at theater dot i o. So feel free to reach out. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Dr. Wolf, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule. We really appreciate it. I think uh, we all learned a lot from from your journey and from theater's journey and, and look forward to following it. Perfect. Thank you, Dr. Cooper. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Da Vinci Hour podcast presented by Da Vinci Academy. Please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow the podcast on your podcast platform of choice to catch the latest episodes. Please leave a comment or review and share it with a friend. Lastly, you can find all of our podcasts, video courses, and books on our website, dviacademy.com. Thank you for listening.